Hello, Drunk Theology fans. Good to be here with you today. It is a beautiful March morning here in Long Beach, California, and we are uh, excited about the season that we are in. Oh, yes, I know it's uh, locked down still and what have you, but provisions are being made and all that, but that's not why I'm happy. I'm happy because it's the Lord's Day. Every day is the Lord's Day in my heart. That's the way I see it. But uh, we are entering into just, we've entered into a, a, a holy season in the Christian calendar, and we are uh, looking forward to just having some great uh, videos here in the next uh, week or so, uh, especially in celebration of Holy Week. So be tuned for those as well. Um, just uh, good news, we started already on the uh, website. It is uh, beginning to come together, but you can go to it. Uh, it's under construction, but you can put your email address in there just to let me know that you went there. And uh, uh, it is www, I don't know if you need to say that anymore, but it is drunktheology101.com. That's drunktheology 101.com and uh, shoot me an email from there uh, you can contact me through that website and of course we still have our patreon page so that you can contribute to the ministry of drunk theology and uh, you, you can watch uh, the this video on YouTube on Facebook Instagram and listen to the podcast uh, episode of this uh, teaching uh, wherever you listen to podcasts under drunk theology so Let's get on. We are continuing in the book of Revelation. We are going to be looking at a short chapter today, so this shouldn't be too long. But you know me, I can start blathering. Uh, but uh, it is a short chapter, chapter 5. If you recall, you know, last chapter we looked at uh, the scenes of the throne of God, uh, his throne room, everything that was in there, the throne in heaven with the Father seated there, and all praise and honor and adoration given to him, the angels crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is, is to come. And, you know, in reference to the one who was on the throne, and yet it's really, you know, that's where everything kind of gets interesting with respect to the personality of God. And that's why I think there's some people who, who get off on just different tangents saying, you know, Jesus only and that kind of thing. And I understand that. Uh, I, I don't think a true reading and study of the Word uh, gives that completely... Uh, that, 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 that's completely the full picture, let's put it that way. Um, because we're going to see here in this chapter, uh, there's someone who's going to be added to the throne. And, uh, and that someone is someone very dear to us in Christianity. So, uh, let, let us go ahead. And it's not your favorite preacher. Well, it should be your favorite preacher. Um, but I don't know who your favorite preacher is. I know who mine is. And um, so we will go on from there. Let's look at uh, verse 1, chapter 5. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne... A scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals so we have this idea that that the one that is on the throne 
has in his hand a scroll or a book. And we would say a book, you know, because of the fact that it's written on the front and on the back, kind of giving the allusion to the turning of pages, as it were. So, and you notice I go from left to right instead of right to left because it's Hebrew, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it was seated on the throne and he had this scroll. It says, and I saw a mighty angel, verse 2, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. So we have here this idea of this scroll and it is sealed with seven seals. No one can see what's in the scroll. It's hidden. It's uh, a mystery, something that has been locked up and is only meant for one to open, and it has to be one who is worthy. Of course, God himself is worthy, but then again, God put the, scree the seals on there, so there's a, the, that, that concept like, okay, so, and the fact that he mentions that there was not a man uh, found worthy, so that we, we look into that, and it's like, okay, so there was no one worthy to open it. And John, the revelator, begins to weep. He begins to cry loudly because no one was found worthy uh, in heaven or under the earth or on the earth to open it. And so we have this, this removal that needs to be done so that things can progress forward, so that things can change, so that there can be, uh, as it were, uh, a continuation of the work that had then begun. You know, people think that the ministry of Jesus ended 2,000 years ago, and it didn't. It, it continues on today. His ministry is through his body. There's a reason why he calls the church his body, because he is not speaking of a body of just a bunch of people, but literally that he is the head of the church. And so that we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his love, we are his grace, we are his mercy, and we're the ones that go out. And so we find that, that um, this is where, what he, he, he is implying here. He's saying, look, there, there, no one was worthy. There has to be someone. And so he goes on and, and, and into this passage. And in this passage, he, he, he lets us know. He says, an angel says, hey, there is no, weep no more. For behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And so we find here in verse 5 that, hey, he said, don't, don't weep anymore. It's okay. There is someone who is worthy, the lion of the tribe of Judah, you know. So that's really interesting here because the description of the Messiah, this description of the Messiah draws on Jacob's blessing over his son, Judah. 
and in that blessing in, in, uh, that, that he gave to his son, he said, Yehuda is a lion's cub. My, my son, you stand over the prey. He stoops down like a crouching lion, a mighty lion who will, who will dare to get him up. And the scepter will not depart from Yehuda, Yehuda or the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs or until Shiloh comes and the peoples obey him. That's in Genesis 49, 9 through 10. And so we find that, uh, that, that Jesus is referred to as the lion. The, the blessing was that, hey, the, the, the scepter is not going to depart from Judah. Judah is going to be the king of, of, of the 12 sons. Was, and the scepter will not depart from him. He'll be mighty. He'll be like a lion. And it will not depart from him until the one to whom the scepter belongs comes. Until Shiloh comes, which is another uh, word or reference to the Messiah. And so, and he says, and the peoples obey him. You know, so we find that the peoples, and it's not only just the people of, of, of Israel, but the peoples of the world, as we will see here in a little bit. He goes on in verse 5, says, The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So another title is given to, to this one who has been found to be the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. You know, so, so that's letting us know that he comes from the lineage of David who, who came well after Judah. And he's, and he's saying, listen, the root of David and so that draws from Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 10. It says, There will come forth a rod from the, stem, uh, from the stem of Jesse, which was King David's father. A branch will grow out, and a, a branch will grow out from him. And so, so, so he gives this description uh, of this. He says uh, that that the title the root of david belongs to him and so in in this in this description the messiah is followed by the details of his rules in isaiah chapter 9 let me look at that isaiah chapter 9 verse 5 through 6 he says uh, for every boot of the trampling uh, uh, of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire for unto us a child is born for unto us a, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father the prince of peace of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and behold uh, and, and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore the zeal of Yahweh's hosts will do this it's interesting you know what we're looking for you know I mean there's a lot of tumult going on in, in our political system and I mean when you listen to and and I talk to you know different age groups millennials and what have you and you know, everyone's take on what's going on. What really, what everyone is is looking for is justice. What everyone's looking for is 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 equality, not equity. They're looking for an equality, and they're looking for 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 peace and justice and righteousness for everyone. And 
and man may try it as many times. It's 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 been tried and failed. I mean, socialism in the in the last century was a, a failed system. I mean, because when you look at when you look at Marx and when you look at 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 at, at, at those writings and and those philosophies, at their heart, they're they're really wanting to establish a utopia. They're wanting to establish a place where where everyone is is is, is treated with respect and equality, and and that there be provision for everyone, and that no one would go without, and and there's there's all this concept. But you know what? What happens is is it 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 winds up leading to totalitarian rule. But the same is true on the other side. Look at Nazi Germany, because that was more of a, um, shall we say, a, a a conservative mindset. And, but you see, the problem is, is when you try to make everything right through, through enforcement of, of good laws, as it were, people are going to get trampled on. The rights are going to be trampled on, and it leads to totalitarian rule. And then, and then someone has to pay. Someone has to be the scapegoat, and we've seen that fail. Any time, that, that's why there needs to always be a middle ground. You know, of, of working together to at least live in some form of peace and prosperity. But total peace and prosperity and justice is not going to happen until Shiloh comes, until the Prince of Peace comes, until he returns. And that's what the blessed hope of the church is. The blessed hope of the church is for the return of Christ, you know, that in the meantime, we are to go about doing the Father's business. We're to go about uh, ministering and loving people. But we need to, to come to grips with the fact that we, we can only do so much, you know. And, and it isn't until Christ returns. And so here we find that the, you know, the, 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 the seventh seals are, are about to be opened. And the thing is, Christ's return is going to have some justice meted out first, some judgment meted out because of man's failure, both good and evil men. And we're going to find that it's going to be scary. And we're going to find that the enemy is going to try to take advantage of that situation. And he goes on, verse 6, he says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken away the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." And so they sang to him a new song. We'll stop right there. Now it's interesting. What we find is instead of having this, this here we have this, this, this root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, coming with justice and righteousness and peace. And all of a sudden the juxtaposition of the opposite is there. And this is, has always been the thing that has thrown people not only in the, within the Jewish community, but even in, in the secular community, even sometimes within the Christian community. The concept that that God became a lamb to be slain 
to be given over, instead of taking over, given over, instead of ruling, was ruled upon and judged and destroyed. You know, very, very strange, you know, when, when we look at that. But yet, that's the, that's what's, that is what is given to us in, in description here. And he says he was brought like a lamb. Remember Isaiah 53, 7, 8 says about the Messiah. You see, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken with transgression for the transgression of the people. And he became the sacrificial lamb. And you you pit that against, well, wait, but he's supposed to be a lion. He's supposed to be the, the scepter. He's supposed to, you know, the root of David. And and he comes as a, as a lamb. But look at the description of this lamb. It's very interesting. You know, he says that, that he has seven horns. You know, seven is the number of completeness, and horns are the symbol of power. And th the thing is, is his power is complete. His power is absolute. That makes it even more marvelous that he became a lamb to be slain, because he at any moment could have brought down the angels to rescue him instead of being slain. And so we find that 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 position has been given. He has he, he is he has the horns which are absolute power. Seven of them represents completeness or absolute. And so he is given to him. And he says, and he has seven eyes which are the seven souls full spirits of God. You know, uh, the seven eyes represent God or completeness again of God's eyes roving throughout the earth. Zechariah uh, chapter 4 verse 10 says that the eyes of, 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 of Yahweh are, are roved to and fro throughout the whole earth to prevent anything from the, uh, and during that prophecy, during the impending building of the second temple under Zerubbabel. So, so we find that that's, that's, what, uh, that, that's what he's being described. He's being described not only as absolute power and but also absolute knowledge sees everything he's you know so that he's equating the lamb with god not only is he the lamb of god but he is god giving the same attributes as it were in verse 7 uh says that he went up and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne and so uh he goes and he takes he takes the seven scrolls out or the or the scroll out with the seven seals from him who sat on the throne and then it says and when he had taken the throne or in verse 8 and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb <laughs> you only fall down before god they fall down before the lamb each with a holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints the harps represent praise you know in the psalms we always have the harp giving praise and the golden bowls are filled with incense which are the a representation of the prayers of god's people 
And they began to sing a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Notice that, that we find that that, that the work of God, while, the, while his chosen people were through Abraham, through the Jewish community, the thing is, he, his interest was in, in, in ransoming the entire world back to himself. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation to become a kingdom of priests to God to serve and to worship him and to bring him glory. You know, those verses are very powerful. It says, And then I looked and heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders with the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Now, it's interesting, in the previous chapter, they're saying the same thing about the one who is on the throne. So that, so that God is giving to the Son, you know, equal partnership in the Godhead. Because worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, honor and glory and blessing. So we find that God the Father who sits on the throne already has honor and power and glory and blessing. From, the, from, from time and eternity. But now the Lamb who is worthy to receive because, because he had overcome and therefore belonged to him, both to him and the Father, forever and ever, honor and glory and blessing. Honor and glory and blessing belong to him you know, on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. So it's both of them, honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. And the four and living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. Every creature will acknowledge God's universal power and rule. You know, every creature. Demons and the wicked will not enjoy the benefits of what's to come because they refuse to acknowledge that God deserves all honor and glory and blessing. But every creature that does will enjoy the times to come. But before that, there has to be the removal of the seals. And it is the Lamb who's going to remove the seals. He now becomes, as it were, the root of David, the Lion of Judah, bringing forth judgment. And that's what's going to be scary because you know, we talked about, you know, my, my buddy and I, we were, had lunch yesterday and, you know, he, he I mean, and I, I, I hold the same position, you know, of we, we hope for the rapture of the church. But the thing is, is there's evidence that maybe there isn't. 
you have to be fair. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't completely buy into that, but I also know that Jesus said, to him that overcomes, you know, to him that overcomes, he gives that all the time, to him that overcomes. And we want to make it just about our life. But when he's saying that in the book of Matthew, he's talking about the tribulation. And he's saying for all of us, we need to be aware of what's going on. We may even get into that chapter a little later on in this series. But I think we need to know what's going to happen. We need to be aware so we teach others, but we also teach ourselves so that we are not taken by surprise. But I do look for the blessed hope. You know, I do look for the sounding of the trumpets especially in September when the Feast of Trumpets is always in the, in, in the calendar Feast of God. You know, why not? Everything else happened accordingly. Jesus came at the time of Passover. Pentecost happened at the time of Pentecost. The pouring of the Holy Spirit happened at the time. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't the rapture happen at the Feast of Trumpets? You know, so... Um, we don't know the day or the hour because we don't know which year. But I'll tell you what, I do look for that. But I also look to be prepared. That's wisdom. And so we're going to continue on from here uh, in chapter 6 in our next session. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and bring peace to you. In his name. Amen. Shalom.